Welcome back to the information security stack together with me, Daniel Gustafsson and Kim Hinda. Today, Kim, we have a uh, rant episode. Yes. We're gonna just going to rant about things that makes us upset in the IT world right now. And you're going to start. So you have a couple of bullets which you're going to go through. So the floor is yours, sir. <clears throat> yes. I often encounter the argument that if we regulate the IT industry, if we regulate the data transfers between the world, if we don't allow companies to do whatever they see fit and please, and if we put in laws in place to control the security and safety of individual data and personal data in particular in mind, then we cannot do the digital transformation. Mm. We will totally kill any innovation. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a known argument we see a lot. So uh, it's a warning from, let's call it totally hypothetical, out of nowhere, no uh, real life connection at all, but let's call a hyperscaler for muffins. Mm -hmm. mm? Muffins wants to have this argument to a lot of governments that if you put in too much regulation, you will kill off your ability to innovate, be innovative. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge myth. And I want to kill it off quickly because I encounter it a lot. And of course, if you are a company like Muffins who have more or less a monopoly on the market, mm. yeah, of course, you don't want to have any other guns. <laughs> Yeah, no and you don't right. want to be regulated. No. But, yeah. So, let's back the tape a bit to the early days of flight. Mm -hmm. When we were starting to get commercial airlines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Imagine that three big ones from the United States were more and more growing and taking control. Mm -hmm. And there hasn't been more than very small local challenges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dear governments, don't regulate flight. We can do all the regulations ourselves. We don't need any other standards. We can set our own standards. Mm -hmm. We don't need any safety standards. You just trust us that we are secure. Mm -hmm. And then we decide one airline, total global, in the world, and they can do all that air traffic control and or air safety. And we can be happy and don't have to bother us. That would have been a wonderful world, of course. Yeah, no other countries need to ever provide or establish any airline. We'll fix it for you everywhere. I totally agree that flying instead of taking a boat was tremendous important for the development, global development for us to be able, have the ability to travel in a, mm -hmm. another sense. Uh, and that improved a lot of innovation, then it improved a lot of natural development. But mm -hmm. why should we allow a single muffins to do that for? Mm -hmm. And surely, do you actually believe that if we 
hadn't regulated set the air traffic control system in place that would have worked for everyone. Mm. I firmly challenge anyone to say that stifled innovation. Yes. I, I think that if I were to board a commercial airline and crash every other time, it wouldn't have had nearly the development and innovation they've had over the past <laughs> decades. No. <laughs> and I mean, just, just to take that example, um, it's not only the airlines themselves, it's the manufacturers of airplanes that are highly regulated as well. But you have manufacturers of airplanes from essentially all corners of the world. Yeah, you have a couple of major ones, absolutely, that are the big players on the market, for sure. But you still have multiple providers of airplanes. And then you have multiple airlines on top of it from all corners of the world. And they can all fit under the same regulated roof. Of course, it's a competition. Don't get me wrong. They compete with each other in order to provide the best service, the best airplanes, and so on. But they fall under the same regulation worldwide. It works to have it that way. And they accept it. Yes. And yeah, with data, it's the wild, wild west. Shoot from the hip. Completely. Anyone can do anything. Mm. And believe me, I'm uh, absolutely against over-regulating stuff. Mm. But some things need to be regulated and controlled. And I would firmly, firmly rather travel when there is air traffic control in place than when not. Mm-hmm. Just for sure. saying. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and the same so, rules in all, in, in, in no matter mm-hmm. where you travel. So yes. it's not it's not competing regulate like re- regulation depending on which corner of the world you fly. It's the there's same a, one. There's a reason why you have the same checklists, why you have the same security protocols, regardless if what airport you land on, mm-hmm. regardless what airplane you do, you follow the same security procedures. Yes. So that that's a there's a point to it, and I say. That's a good thing. So no, it does not prevent innovation. It does no. not block innovation. It just makes innovation, ensures that innovation is done in a safe and secure manner. Mm. And I firmly think that's better. For sure, you might throw out airplane models faster if you don't have any regulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it will crash oft- more often as well. So. For sure, and so so what is the why is the, why is the regulations in place? Because if a plane crash, if we take that example, people die, and it's very visible. You can see what happened. It's a big pile of metal and death on the ground when the airplane crashes. But when a data transfer crashes, no one sees it. No, you don't know you're hurt until perhaps afterwards. No. So that's a very sneaky thing because I don't know if my digital data is being violated. I can't see that right now. Until it's too late. Until it's too late. So that's... Mm -hmm. uh, And that's why I say it's even more important with some control and regulation. Mm. But yeah. (laughs) But anyway, I often meet the argument why shouldn't we just allow muffins to do all all this thing. Yeah. No, we should do the effort 
to put up an air traffic control system ourselves. We should an effort to at least ensure that you have national airlines. Mm-hmm. And then we should ensure that we can actually travel in the same manner. Under regardless. the same regulations, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we shouldn't block muffins. No, no. muffins would be a big airline. But yes. I don't think the world would have been better if it, Delta was the only airline in the entire world and the only one to allow to commercial flights. Delta would think so. Yes, for exactly. Sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for but sure. I think the, the world is better off. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Hmm? So no. So the system works. Here's 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 our point into this. The system of regulation, high regulation, works in a specific industry called airline industry. It really, really works. My God, it's regulated. But innovation doesn't stop. I mean, you look at it right now. Electric engines are being manufactured and tested because they understand they need to move to a more uh, environmental friendly commercial air flight okay awesome so that innovation is going on as we speak new types of models new types of of technical systems it's all happening every year something new is developed in that industry highly regulated industry and the same would be true for the it industry if it was highly regulated with the same regulations not one independent regulator depending on which country you go to because this is stupid we have to stop it one regulation all over the world it actually would work don't tell us it won't work so there is there's a different motive here why it doesn't work yeah because no we would not have commercial space flights by now if we haven't allowed the airline industry to be unregulated without any air traffic control Mm. no we would not have commercial (laughs) space flights no and especially not something i would go on because it would be a potential death trap every time so yeah i mean if, if it's like a two percent chance of surviving i don't think you would have any takers to be honest with yeah, you right so, so. <laughs> you gotta push 98 99 percent of survival rate yeah. okay now we're now we're talking mm-hmm. so this so is that. where we are but i i think that i think you bring up a great point that regulation is not a hindrance for for development and and your digital transformation is not a hindrance at all. <clears throat> and that brings me into the next thing. Learning digital tools. Mm-hmm. We are in a digital world. Let's just accept that. And realize that we are in a digital world. And it will not become any less digital. Moving ahead. Traditional departments in companies. Roles in companies. That have not need to be that techy before still need to work in a digital world. To all your marketers out there using Google Analytics, it cannot be out of the blue. Oh, Google Analytics had security measures in place. (laughs) I forgot to put them in. Yeah, but don't play around with live data unless you know what you're doing. I, I like to compare it to me going out and buying a chainsaw. I've seen on YouTube how you chainsaw. So that looks simple enough. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for sure if I were to go out, buy a chainsaw and just start it up and run it, probably myself would get seriously injured, but I would probably injure 
at least uh, property or other people as well with high chance. So no, I should not use a chainsaw mm. unless I've started to get to know what are the precautions I need to take before using a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't use any tools, especially you shouldn't use digital tools unless you're prepared to understand how they work. I don't mean you need to be able to construct and build them yourself. Mm. A lot of marketers say, I don't need to understand this because this is web development. No, if you can understand and use Google Analytics from the point that you can gather data and use that analytically, your mind works perfectly well to understand how you, secure you do secure configurations of that tool as well. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be any more educated than that. You can read for yourself. So if you can use the tool for your benefits from a marketing perspective, you can also read up and understand the security configuration surrounding that mm. and how you use that. So, um, I mean, I, I try to say... Okay, we have a building, a big uh, mobile crane outside where I live because they do uh, build new houses there. Uh, I might just play around with the mobile crane and start to learn how it works. Yeah, for sure. And after I played around a bit with it, I can start to move stuff around with the big mobile crane until someone comes and say, you know what? you're really lucky that you haven't killed a lot of people because your load can drop anyway because you forgot to secure it properly. Aha, was that a thing? Exactly. So it's not out of the blue. Oh, we didn't understand that there were security configurations needed to be done in IT. There's always security configurations that need to be done in IT. Mm-hmm. This cannot be out of the blue anymore. We need to start to learn to be digital ourselves. So we need to start to learn the digital tools. Or yeah. we shouldn't use the digital tools. Or yeah. we should hire someone to explain that to us. But mm. as I said, I don't expect people to build cars themselves. No. But I do expect people to know how to safely use the car to have a driver's license before mm. they set, put themselves behind the wheel and kill someone. Mm. to all you out there who say this is tech that's not for me to understand sorry no no that argument has to die I'm not a techie person so I, I don't know how it works so I'm a CTO I'm a CIO so I don't know yes. whether well, you should know if you're a CIO but I'm a CFO so I have no clue how the IT works or either worse I'm the CEO so I have no understanding of how our technical platforms works well then you shouldn't be in that role because you need you don't have to understand from a deep technical perspective but you need to understand what it does mm. and if you claim that you don't I have no clue how this works. I, well, then I have a solution for you. Then your, your work kit will not be a computer and a phone anymore. It will be a pen, paper, and an abacus. And if you don't know what an abacus is, Google it and you will see what an <laughs> abacus is. Because that is, some, that is what, will you, what you will work with. Because otherwise, as to Kim's point, you will become a security issue. You will, you will become a, a problem for the organization from a, from a security standpoint. And it's so, no, the argument has to, 
has to die in terms of, oh, I, could, I couldn't understand that because I'm not a technical person. Okay, so fair enough, but you need to understand what it, the tools you're using, what do they actually do? Just overall, understand what they do. And how you handle them securely. Mm. So you don't hurt other people. Yes. It's sort vital. Mm. Mm. But yeah. So no, it cannot be out of the blue. Oh, was there configurations to be done here? Mm. Yeah, there was. Exactly. And uh, to, to the point of, for instance, the example we say in Google Analytics, Google excellent descriptions, really terrific mm. descriptions and explanations. So that's not uh, <laughs> something you can say either. Mm. So. so that's where we are. Mm. So if I'm going to implement the system or a platform, we need to make a decision. Correct? Mm. Someone will make a decision on which platform we will use, what technical tool we will use, what uh, plugin we will use, whatever we decide to do is based on that decision. So I'm now I'm going to have a bit of a rant regarding decisions. There are multiple ways you can make decisions in life. Uh, it doesn't really matter if it's a technical decision or if it's a decision for your family or your private life or if you're going to go on holiday, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. Someone will make a decision. The problem is that most times we do, we make uninformed decisions or rash decisions. And according to the the statistics, and I understand that, yes, there's something called, uh, you know, statistics might not always be the absolute truth, but it will tell a story. And the statistics says that we make around 80 to 85% of all our decisions in a hasty, rash mindset, meaning we are either stressed we are either uninformed, we have to make a quick decision, and we don't have time to think our decisions through. We just have to act, essentially, right? And that could be fine for most times, but essentially what we do then is that we gamble on a guess, and we hope that our decision will be a good one. And sometimes that hope will come back and fail us, and we will end up with a decision that will haunt us for the rest of our lives, in worst case, or at least it will put us in a procure, uh, in a predicament where we could end up, let's say, end up in a situation where we have a technical tool, which then a government agency starts to claim this you can't use or be, or have you actually thought it through, or this could actually be illegal. I'm just taking a hypothetical uh, situation <laughs> here that is actually going on in our world right now. So how do we make a decision then? So if I were to give you a task, now we're not going to do the actual exercise here. I'm just going to give you something to think about. Let's say that you are uh, lost in a rural area where you have no, you, you don't, you know, you don't know where you are. You don't have a map. You don't have a phone. You don't have any any technical um, measurements to work with. All you have available to you is a uh, compass, a pocket knife, a liter of water a warm, uh, cushy um, sweater and a roughly six feet of nylon rope. That's what you have available to you. And your task now, because not only are you lost in a rural area, it's also quite cold. So you need to start to think about the fact that it could be get, uh, it's, it's in the fall, let's say, uh, Swedish fall, cold and damp and not very nice. 
Your task now is to be saved. You don't want to camp. That's not the agenda here. You want to be saved quickly because you understand that I'm in a predicament here. I need to get home quickly or at least get to a safe space, no matter where it might be. If you take those five items, which I just mentioned, and you start to prioritize them in your head of which should be the number one priority for me in order to survive and get home again. If you, me and Kim did that exercise right now, I, without talking about it, I could pretty much guarantee that our list one through five would look different. And the only thing I know that from is because I will look from it from my perspective, what I need or what I could use or what I could draw benefit from. And Kim will look from his perspective and he would do the same thing. So our one through five would most definitely look different. We actually did this exercise in another, uh, just the other day. And lo and behold, it was different. Uh, because we did not have the same viewpoint on why things was important to us. And if you make that decision in a, in a stressed mode or in a rash mode, meaning you have very little time, let's say you have 30 seconds to make a decision. What is most prioritized for me right now? One through five, let's go. Then stress kicks in. And I'm also in a situation, if I'm not a survival expert, I'm also in a situation which I know very little about. So I will make an uninformed decision based on my priorities. This is kind of the worst case scenario for any type of decision that you make. But also, it's one of the most common decisions we make in life. Um, let's say your phone rings and it's, uh, it's the daycare that calls and your kid is sick and you need to act right now. What do you do? Well, you're not a doctor, so you're not going to be able to make any type of, of smart decisions on what could be wrong with the child. You stress to a hospital, probably. That's what you do, right? If you, uh, if you have the availability to, but still you have a make, you have to make a on the spot decision on what to do next. Right? So we kind of, we kind of know that that is probably a good decision or someone calls out of the blue from the bank and wants you to make a smart investment decision. And you know very little about investment, but still you make a decision and that investment could turn out to be super ugly if you don't know what you're actually doing. So this is the type of decisions we do all the time. And to this, as according to the statistics, 85% of all of our decisions in me is made in this type of mode. This will set you up for failure more times than not. Because if you are uninformed or if you are stressed or if you really don't know what you're making a decision about, the chances of success now is very slim, very low. So there's a, there's a, there's a remedy for this now. What in terms of, so if I want to implement the IT system and I do just what I just said, I do it on a rash decision or even worse, someone with the highest pay, the highest salary says, this is what I want to do because this is my opinion. I don't care what anyone else thinks. And off we go to the races. Chances are that EME will call you very quickly and have an opinion regarding your solutions. So if you're going to make a decision, there's two ways to do it. Either you make a rash decision and just go with it, or you actually sit down and you start to talk about what could be the consequences of our decision. And if 85% of the decisions are made in a rash mode, then you understand that the low percentage is when we sit down and actually talk about it. It should be the other way around. It really should be. Because that would set us, set us up for a bigger chance of success more times than not.
if we sat down and actually talked about. So let's talk about our situation, which I just mentioned. Kim, if you and I were to be in the woods right now, lost or in a rural area, lost, we don't know where to go. What would be the same thing to do between you and I right now? Talk to uh, each other. Yeah. No, I would knife you and eat you. <laughs> right, straight into survival mode. I need food. All right, fair enough. That could but be no. a solution as well. <laughs> but let's no. say that we actually want to survive both of us. Yes. No, we should agree. What's our plan? Mm -hmm. What's our priority? And that should be an agreement between us, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. that, should, that would be a good thing. And also, it could might it might be a good thing if you know. Do we know anything about the situation mm -hmm. we are in? Is anyone actually trained in the situation mm -hmm. we are in currently? And in this case, as we, when we did the exercise the other day, oh yeah, you're actually trained in survival because you have a military background. So you actually have some training. I have none, right? So I would be a complete blittering idiot if I got lost right now because I would be have no clues. I would just make a guts, guts, uh, gut decision and tell, me, tell you my opinion. So maybe in this situation, I should listen to you more because you have at, at least some sort of training and skill and knowledge behind your decision. So if we were to sit down and do that, now our chances grow tremendously to be successful. Chance, and also when we have decided on the checklist one through five and say, this is the way we see it that we both agree upon, then chances increase of success just because we actually believe in our plan. We believe in what we do. And then also what that means, we have done a risk assessment, probably. What would be the biggest risk? Should we do plan A? Or what should be the biggest what could be the biggest reward if we do plan A? And maybe also we have talked about a plan B. Mm. What happens if the first plan doesn't work? Then what do we do? And this, my friends, who are listening to this, is completely the reason why most most companies that are stressed right now because they are being hunted due to technical systems that they have implemented once upon a time. This is one of the main reasons to why that is a problem because there, there, were, there were only one plan, one product, one system. Here we go, all in. And no risk assessment for what if this doesn't work long term, then what do we do? And one of the main reasons why we rarely do this is because then we start to actually challenge what we believe and the idea that we have. And also we start to understand that, oh crap, if this doesn't work, we're going to have to do this work all over again. Mm -hmm. And that's an uncomfortable decision and an uncomfortable realization. And being uncomfortable in your decisions means you're going to have to work and we don't want to work. So, but, yeah. But surely this cannot have any implication in the IT industry. Oh, really? The <laughs> IT industry is a separate thing. So making IT decisions have to be totally separate from making other decisions. No. This process for making a decision is a process to make a decision. You either make a quick, hasty decision based on either uninformed 
um, opinions or someone that has the highest pay in the room who says, I want this and this is what we're going to do, or we were just stressed. And it doesn't matter if that decision was regarding my bank account, my, 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 my kindergarten place with my kids, or uh, the IT system that we're going to implement in our, our organization. It's the same thing. What do we actually know about it? What would be the risk? What would be the reward? What happens if it doesn't work? Do we actually have a plan B? So the biggest hindrance for this is that you have to actually sit down and talk about it. And as a manager and as a leader, maybe I should ask in the room, who knows anything about this? Or you can do as my recommendation to all managers. Take hasty decisions, but always find a scapegoat. <laughs> exactly. That's good leadership. You're not working with me here, Kim. You're <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're trying to prevent. Well, fair enough. Bring up, we bring up a good point. If that's your plan for plan B is to throw someone under the bus, no bad plan. Properly bad plan. Really bad plan for so many reasons that A, you're going to look foolish. B, you're going to get no one who's going to be loyal to you. And no, that's going to be a disaster moving forward. Um, so that's not the plan. That's, 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 well, it's a plan. I'll give you that. Um, it's, it's not a, a good one. It's not a good one. It's not a viable plan for long sustainability in terms of being long-term success here. But this is why I bring this up is I see this in so many places and it doesn't really matter which area you talk about. You can see it in sports. Let's talk sports. I know we, we metaphor a lot with sports, but let's take, let's take a hockey game and you see a team that takes a timeout. Timeouts are my favorite things during a, any type of, of team sports. Hockey, soccer, doesn't matter. Uh, well, you don't, actually don't do timeouts in soccer. That was a bad example. Okay, so I don't like <laughs> soccer. Uh, basketball, for instance, they yeah. have tons of timeouts. And the reason why I like timeouts is because that 30-second span, will it will tell you, if you look at that specific team and the coach, you will tell... You can see what type of culture they've instilled. You can see what type of decision-making process they have. And you can also see who is in charge of the decisions. Is it the team or is it the coach? So one example I, I, I like is that uh, we had a hockey coach in Sweden. Well, we still do. I don't, I don't know if it's still active. Called Per Morch. Super duper coach. I love him. Used to coach our uh, national teams back in the day, both junior and, and uh, senior national teams. But when he coached our junior national teams, it was the world, uh, it was the um, uh, World Cup for junior uh, for juniors a couple of years ago. Uh, we played against Canada, I believe it was, and we were down like four to three or something like that. And it was thirty seconds left of the game. Um, the uh, faceoff was down in the uh, uh, Canadian offensive zone, and Sweden took a timeout. And when Paramoch took his timeout, he opened up a flip chart with a clear, already written picture and showed the players for about five seconds. And then he put down the flip, uh, flip chart and then he just talked with his player for the rest of the 25 seconds. Are we in, a, in an agreement? Do we know what to do? Does everyone understand where we're, what, we're gonna, what our intentions are? And the reason why he only showed a flip chart, because the flip chart he, he showed was something they had practiced on before the game. So the players knew exactly what to expect. In the other side of the field was the Canadian coach. And he was a proper coach, 
proper sports sports coach. He had one of those, you know, uh, drawing charts, which you can have your pen and you have your charts and then you start to draw a play on it. And they are awesome. I love them. I have it myself. They're fantastic. They are absolutely horrible if you're going to try to educate someone in 30 seconds an idea which you just figured out because that was the that was the difference, right? So the Canadian coach, when he was done, it was like a modern Rembrandt, essentially. It looked like a Picasso painting, something like that. And you could just see in the eyes of the players, they had no idea what he wanted to achieve. And one team went onto the ice prepared. One team went onto the ice confused. 20 seconds later, Sweden scored. And 4-4. Even game went over time. I don't know if we won the game or not. Doesn't really matter. The, 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 the sentiment of the story, the moral of the story is that the decision that was made in one case was a thought through well-educated decision based on what we know is going to work and the other decision was based on a rash stressed uninformed decision by one person in that team who had all the bright ideas in his in his head and his staff so to speak if we're going to make the it metaphor the team manager who was talking to his staff had no clue what the team manager wanted to achieve so that's the difference between making an informed decision and a stressed, uninformed decision. If you see what I mean. So the reason why I bring this up is that the situation that we are in right now with uh, predicaments with current IT systems are not that... It's not that strange, to be honest with you. Because you can kind of tell, just like in a timeout in a hockey game or a basketball game, you can kind of tell when you look at organizations right now who are completely stressed out, because they have no plan B. And you can see the ones who have a plan B who are not stressed out. They just go to their second option. So this is my call of arms to make to start to make informed decisions before you act. End of rant. <sighs> Feels so much better. Awesome. If you want to participate, though, in the uh, sessions, if you want to ask us questions, please contact us at citynetwork.eu slash podcast. Until next week, Kim, have a great week. Hoba. Mm-hmm.